On this episode, Keanu Reeves is another Ohio State quarterback, but he leads this ragtag team to glory in 2000's The Replacements. Pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. That's a quote from this week's movie, but also the tagline. But where did the idea that girls like scars ever come from? I think it's just a very, like a very macho thing. Like, hey, he fucking worked hard for that scar. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. Unless you got in a fucking knife fight. Well, there's the fake ID episode of Saved by the Bell where Slater, he did. So they're trying to get in with the fake IDs and Slater distracts the bouncer. Cool scar, man. Exactly. Cool scar, man. And the bouncer's like, yeah, man. My old lady gave me that. It's like, what? All right, cool, man. Promote that DV. And like they high five, they celebrate. I'm sensitive. So if I had like a gnarly facial scar and somebody pointed it out, I'd be like, thanks for pointing out my deformity. Motherfucker. Or if you're like Michael Ironside, you just roll with it. Yeah, my disfiguring facial scar that is attached to a great deal of trauma when my significant other slashed my face. And made me look like a fucking Klingon. (laughs) Hi to vote. (laughs) Kapla. That's awesome. Uh, We are not on strike this week. At least I'm not. I'm Kevin. Jim, are you on strike? I'm fresh off the picket line. I got what I wanted from the union. And yes, everybody, we are making $2 an hour now. Great. This episode, we discuss the year 2000's The Replacements. Yeah, 2000, baby. Directed by Howard Deutsch. Deutsch is famously married to Leah Thompson. Really? Yes, together they procreated. That means they fucked. She got pregnant. They had sex. They had sex. They had sex. And they made Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch directed, not Zoe, but Howard. Howie. He directed two John Hughes films, not Ferris Bueller, but Pretty in Pink Ooh. and Some Kind of Wonderful featuring uh, Leah Thompson. I rewatched it recently and I like it better now. I don't know if it'd be a movie we cover on here. Though. I like that her name's Amanda Jones and I really like that there's multiple songs in the movie that are just about Amanda Jones. It's I'm going to have to watch it weird. again. We watched it that one time and I don't really retain I like much the, from it. I like the punk friend showing up at the party. Yeah, so Deutsch has also directed a ton of television, including some True Blood episodes. Suki, I am vampire. What part of True Blood did he interject himself in? Is this when we had the fucking, was it Were Fairies? Were Fairies. They had some, well, everything just started blending together. I'm a Hot Wheels GoBot vampire. You know, it's a bad show when you get sick of seeing Anna Paquintopoulos. That's like, the Jesus only Christ. show that I've ever got that far into and gave up on. Because I think every pretty I got, much... How many seasons were there? Six, I think. Six or seven. I gave five. up after four. Yeah, I, I think I made it like three or four. And then there was like a main ad. And, and I was like, what? what what's it went off. Not that the show was never not meant to be off the rails, but it got too far but off I, the But I rail. think, spoiler, I think, doesn't Sookie end up being a fairy? Who the and that's like knows. how it ends. Eh, great. Uh, weirdly enough, this movie is sort of based on the 1987 Washington football team. That's right. Not the other name. Where the replacements for the Washington football team won three games. I think that's what's exciting about it. You got the guys got their opportunity. That's something they've always wanted. Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard. This brain trust was one of the greatest formed in the history of the NFL. And they were able to win Super Bowls because of it. 
Bobby was excited. Let's go get as many guys as we can. Let's try and let's try and win games. It's like an arms race. You gotta have to get out there and get it done. When the real players returned, they won the I don't think I can say this word, but they won the Super Bowl and didn't even give the replacements Super Bowl rings or any acknowledgement. Sounds about right. Jim, this was released in a pre-9-11 world, but I happen to know how it performed at the box office. Share that information with the audience, along with number ones and what was happening at time of release. So The Replacements, starring the great Keanu Reeves himself, came out on August 11th in the year 2000. This was approximately two months after I graduated from high school. $50 million budget, Kevin. That's a lot for this movie. $50 million budget. Made 50.1. Great. <laughs> and he made $1,000 more. Ran out of gas over the finish line. Wow. This movie is so amazing. I never thought this movie bombed like yeah. it did, which yeah. is so disappointing because this movie is now a cult classic when it comes to sports movies. It's up there in the upper tier, I would put. Yeah, this is like in the uh, Cable Rerun Hall of Fame. This One of those movies that's on TV, like the Kane Hackman theory. Yeah, that's right. Which is... Yeah, it's it's on TV all the time. And this was filmed primarily at M&T Bank Stadium, which is the home of the fucking Baltimore Ravens, instead of being filmed at RFK, because they are the Washington Sentinels, and there is still an outside chance that the Washington football team will end up being called the DC Sentinels, which would be fucking awesome. You could have they're Shane Falco up, now. No, they're going to blow it. And it's what, the Red Wolves? The or? Red Rockets. So they're going to be dog penises. Yes. Great. They're going to be something crazy. It's going to be something stupid. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dan Snyder sucks as an owner. All right, Kevin, it's time to flashback. Flashback. Gas prices were a buck fifty-one. The PlayStation 2 was the thing to have in 2000. And lo and behold, we are in 2021. Survivor was the number one show on television Richard in Hatch. 2000. That's right. Yeah. Richard Hatch. Kevin, we might remember this as a very, very rough moment when the world started slowly going into the shitter. The Republican National Convention that took place in Philadelphia, George W. Bush, the Republican presidential nominee, selects Dick Cheney as his vice president. Don't ask him to go quail hunting with you or ask him about, hey, what's going on in Iraq? Where in turn, Vice President Al Gore selects Joe Lieberman as his vice president. So yeah, let's get out that youth vote. Joe Lieberman. Kevin, speaking of something that Dick Cheney was unable to do, the demand for sperm was on the rise uh-huh. because of the massive influx of artificial insemination. I don't know if it was a Y2K issue. Women wanted the Y2J and there was a <laughs> low demand for it. So people came a lot and then sold it to sperm banks for a premium profit. Well, it's not like they hoarded it and then we're like, hey, sperm banks. I'm going to have to go up in the fridge to see how much. Deal or no deal. Yeah. Deal or no deal. What are you going to offer me? Yeah, let me move my lunch meat aside. See well, what I got. We've in the got bank. the banker on the phone. He's uh, he's willing to give you $400 for eight loads. Yeah. <laughs> Cue Howie Mandel and the dramatic music. Yeah. So I have to ask you, deal or no deal? Carl opens a briefcase. Kevin, are you familiar with Jim Webb? No. Jim Webb. He was a 42-year-old United Airlines employee from California, became the toast of late-night television when he tried to get artificial dog balls implanted in his scrotum. He wanted dog balls in his scrotum? Yeah, he wanted to get dog testicles and replace it Real dog testicles. Real dog testicles and replace it, his balls with them. Guess what, Kevin? Didn't work. They did it and it didn't work? It did not work. 
It did not work. So that remind there used to be a show on Showtime called Penn and Teller Bullshit, where they would tackle a topic, and it it was pretty funny. It was what it was for the time. But there's an episode about dogs who had their balls cut off. They would replace the dog's balls with artificial balls. I've heard about that. So I because apparently the dog knows. I, I mean, weird. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, I thought that's what you were saying. The guy wanted artificial dog balls. No, he literally just wanted to remove his and just try something on a whim. Like, hey, honey, let's give this a whirl. Was he hoping to procreate and make some human dog hybrids or something? It's the only thing that sounds logical. It basically, from what I read, it sounds logical. From what I read, it was a publicity stunt. But if you're going to do a publicity stunt, why would you do something that's going to fuck up the rest of your life? Howard Stern involved. No, he surprisingly was not surprisingly was not but the late night hosts loved it kevin you can remember 2000 for being the year that lifehouse's hanging by moment was replayed three times every hour on everything great song i don't mind it nowadays it's a great flashback it's just crazy that the song is 21 years old now hey george what do you think about hanging by a moment good evening everybody i'm george michael welcome to the sports machine George had to stop there for a second because he was totally rocking out to Lifehouse. Kevin, there's only one thing that really mattered in sports. PGA Championship Valhalla. Tiger Woods becomes the first since Ben Hogan to win three majors in a calendar year, winning back-to-back PGA Championships in a three-hole playoff with Bob May, who kind of came and went real quick. You have to remember, it was that putt on 16 in the playoff where he did the run-along point. Very iconic scene. First hole of the playoff, Tiger Woods versus Birdie. He's running after it. He ran after it. He got there before the ball did. I don't believe it. How about that? I've never seen him do that. That was during the Tiger Slam, the year 2000, in which Tiger Woods was untouchable when it came to golf. But one movie that, unfortunately, you could not touch the lead actor, the number one movie in America. I remember watching this. It was pretty good. Hollow Man. Oh. Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue. Invisible. Dude sucks on a tit. Pretty much. In that movie. Yeah, he does. You see the tit get manipulated. When the Invisible Man sucks on a tit. But yeah, I remember seeing that movie theater. I think I went on a date and saw that. So that was an interesting date Great movie. Date. And the number one song in America, Kevin, we finally hit a year in which my boys were number one. In sync. It's gonna, it's gonna be me. So hell yeah. I mean, can you not? No strings attached set the record for most albums sold in one week. I think it set like 2.5 million. And of course, the way things change, that will never be touched again. Now it's all digital and streaming, of course. But what a huge album that No Strings Attached ended up becoming. Kevin, that was a hell of a year, hell of a month, hell of a day. August 11th, 2000. Okay, so you mentioned in sync for the waste of time segment later in the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a guy, a very fascinating guy named Max Martin. Yep, I know him. You know all Max well. Martin. So we're Sweden. Tell yes, Sweden. We're going to tell the audience a little bit about Max Martin a little bit later. And it wasn't just in sync; he was involved, and he was involved with a lot of groups. Well, Ace of Base, Backstreet Boys, and so on. So we're going to get into that. And then also speaking of music and George Michael, we do him a disservice. We do because he's got a pretty good theme song for that show. So we'll have to uh, play a snippet of that and let our audience decide. Damn so, straight, I agree. Thank you. 
But for now, let's rush into the plot of The Replacements. Let's do it. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. A football league that's not the NFL, but in a universe where the NFL doesn't exist, has a player strike with four games remaining in the season. The Washington Sentinels owner asks a former Sentinels coach, Jimmy McGinty, great name, to coach replacement players during the strike. Farthest thing from Irish is Gene Washington Hackman. needs to win three out of four games to make the playoffs. Well, we're going to finish the season anyway. We're going to use replacement players. What a business. Well, we got four games left. We win three, we're in the playoffs. Really? Win three out of four with replacement players. That's not too much to ask, is it? You won from me once, you can do it again. McGinty accepts on the condition he can select players without owner interference. McGinty wants former Ohio State quarterback Shane Falco as his quarterback. Shane Falco. Shane Falco? Footsteps Falco from Ohio State? The same. God, he, he hasn't played in years. Should be well rested then. Falco now lives on a boat and does boat maintenance for a job. His career fell apart after a bad loss in the 1996 Sugar Bowl, which is interesting that they use that because you know what happened in the 1996 Sugar Bowl? It didn't happen. Wait, what? The 1996 Sugar Bowl was did not happen. I think there was oh, a lapse. I did not know that. So they're able to use it in the movie because it wasn't, it was fictional. So it was free reign. They didn't have to pay for it. Exactly. They didn't have to call it the uh, Cinnamon Bowl or something. Yeah. The striking players <laughs> harass the scab players and destroy Falco's truck by flipping it over. Repeatedly. So he catches a ride home with the head cheerleader, which begins their romantic storyline. Mm-hmm. Which one's yours? Uh, it's over here. You see that white yacht with the satellite dish? Oh my. I'm the old houseboat next to it, covered in seagull shit. <laughs> so what did you name her? Fixius. Fixius? What does that mean? Putting to flight. You, uh, you want to come on board for a beer? The replacements lose their first game because Falco panics. McGinty tells him that winter, winters, winters. Winter is coming. Win winter is coming. He tells them winter is coming. Yes. That winners want the ball. Winter. After the game, they get in a bar fight with the striking players. A staple of football movies because you got necessary roughness where oh, yeah. they fight the uh, Texas Colts. They go to jail. They bond in jail. They do the electric slide oh, to Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. Amazing. So weird. They win their next two games, but get word that starting quarterback, Eddie Martell. Fucking asshole. Has crossed the picket line, as well as the entire team of their next opponent, Dallas. Martell sucks. He blames it on the replacement players. They're down 17 nothing at half. I ran it just like you said. You just underthrew me. This isn't a track meet, asshole. You have to look for the ball. Back up out of my hey, track. Hey, hey, I'll pull you off the field, you spoiled little punk. Man, who do you think O'Neal's gonna side with, huh? Some burnout old coach or someone who puts fans in the stands? Son of a bitch. Hey, come on. Back up, back up. Hey, what the hell are you thinking about? We got a game to play. Nobody can be Dallas with these losers. When Falco arrives and the team throws Martell out of the locker room, McGinty tells the team that the strike will be over the next day and that they have nothing to lose but to give it their all. Falco throws a touchdown as time expires and the Sentinels beat Dallas to go to the playoffs, but the dream is over for all of them 
as the next day they return to their normal lives. Let's get into characters. Keanu Reeves as Shane Falco, number 16, left-handed, former All-American quarterback, uh, fell off the grid after choking in the, again, fictional 1996 Sugar Bowl. And this isn't mentioned in the movies that I know of, but it says he washed out of the pros after one season. Same with Johnny Utah. He washed out while he had a knee injury. But also, I've always found it weird to see a left-handed quarterback. It just doesn't look right to me at all. Weirdly enough, I mentioned the Kane Hackman theory and this movie always being on cable. Well, Gene Hackman plays Jimmy McGinty. He uh, was once fired by the owner and asked back again. Brooke Langston as Annabelle Farrell. She's the head cheerleader of the Washington Sentinels. That, Very beautiful. Yes, that Shane Falco has a romantic relationship with. Orlando Jones. Clifford Franklin. Great attitude, great desire, and the fastest son of a bitch I've ever seen. To at this point in time, if you're of the younger persuasion, you let me tell you that he was in everything. Yeah. And Mad TV. Everything at this time. He's in the time machine. He's in the make seven up yours commercials. He was in everything. Oh, that time machine movie. You ever pay to go to the movie theaters to see that movie? I never paid to go to the theater to see it. <sighs> with uh, Guy Pierce, You see the moon blow up, though. That was cool. Phase on Love, Michael... These are all just the other players. He plays Jamal Abdul-Jackson. We have Michael Talaferro play Andre Action Jackson. They're brothers. They're like uh, large twins. Andre and Jamal Jackson. Together, these guys were the best tandem team of guards in the game. Yeah. Andre got traded, and they both fell apart. DFD, bro. He ain't our problem no more. We can play football. 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 There's Ace Yonamine as Jumbo Fomiko. Love Jumbo. Uh, he eats a bunch of eggs. There's always that Manu Manu the Slender. Yeah, we have uh, notable ones to mention. John Favreau plays Daniel Danny Bateman. He's a, what is he, a cop? Yeah, he was a former cop. He's a former cop. He's a Gulf War veteran, I think they said. He yeah, he is. He's got a purple heart. He's a psycho. And then there's his foil, who's the criminal guy. Yes, who is... He's uh, on a work release program. Yeah, he's serving a prison sentence for assaulting a police officer, so no doubt they're at odds. Reese Ifont, who still has a career, yeah. plays Nigel Gruff, a.k.a. The Lake. Nigel! Nigel, you all right? I'm sorry. I had the money, but I pissed it all the way down the track again. What? What are you talking about? They're going to take my pup away from me. It's all I got, Shane. Uh, who else do we want to mention? No one else. Uh, Jim, which actor or actress gives a past performance? Any non-lead character steal scenes? I've always liked Nigel Gruff. Yeah. Nigel Gruff is, I freak, the first time he's up to try to hit the game-winning kick. Kenny's going to let Gruff ride his field goal from 65 yards out. I don't know if he has enough leg. I think that guy's smoking on the field. Smoking? I'm sure you just imagined that. Oh, no, I saw it. I saw the smoke and everything. 
Summerall and Madden yeah. in the booth. Oh my, what is he? Is he smoking? And yeah. John Madden's trying to justify the fact. It's like a soccer hooligan with a gambling problem. A huge gambling problem. His bookies are in the fucking crowd yeah, looking at him so, all the time. Yeah, so he's got a little bit of a backstory to make us care about him. That's a, exactly who I'll say as well. I love his backstory. He had his own bar. He used bookie money and they're coming to collect. Yeah. So, okay. With that, let's move on to best or favorite scenes. Find out what made a splash. Jim, did you want to go first? You brought it up already. The electric slide bonding bit in jail. Finally, it took them all getting busted in the bar fight, which is another one of my favorite scenes, to finally bond and finally start winning. And it's amazing that they even get, is it Brian? I believe he's the deaf character. He even got, he's even got them going in the electric side. They're finally bonding. Orlando Bloom's character, not Orlando Bloom. No. What's Orlando? Orlando Brown. Orlando Orlando Bloom was in this movie. (laughs) He would be different. is in this movie. It's, it's such a great scene. It's a throwback. It also proves that mainly any song with a beat, you could do the electric slide to. And I've done it when I've done weddings to this song, just because of this moment. It's very iconic. I have. Um, so this movie, I, I will say, is weird in that a lot of fake music, like Muzak, like we mentioned yeah. on the previous episode. So it's like, I think there's like CNC Music Factory, like score, but then it's not the real version. No. They just, they have like weird, the way that music is in everything. So that that's weird to me. But then one of my favorite scenes is when Falco visits Annabelle at her bar. So she has this bar that she inherited from her dad that the she police. runs. Yeah, they're playing the police. And I like how it's edited because it's intercut with the play-by-play of Summerall and Madden in the game that we're about to see. It's so they awesome. bring in the audio of the play-by-play and it's like, what do you do here, John? You go for it, Pat. You have to. But Falco's been shut down by this defense all afternoon. But I'll tell you this, all it takes is one big play to get him back in the ballgame. And here goes Falco. He moves in and they kiss, but then you see the footage. It jumps right to the next game. That editing is like masterclass. The great thing about Annabelle, though, her backstory is she's not only the head cheerleader of the Sentinels, she's also runs the bar at this local bar. That I have so many questions about all of this. It's a Sentinels bar. It seems like her dad ran the bar, but it's amazing. It shows that you can be the head cheerleader of a football team and get paid absolute dog shit where you have to bartend at nights, too, which I agree. Well, We're going to hit that that's later. That's true. And it's funny that you say that because there was that huge scandal with the Washington football team's cheerleaders. Big time. Who they basically were trying to sell them out as escorts. (sighs) So there's like a huge lawsuit. NFL cheerleaders all have real jobs or, you know, or they just accept the amount of money they make as cheerleaders because they make nothing. They make like retail wages. How bad is that? And you're one of the most, especially like when you look at the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Yeah. How much did their own team, for lack of a better term, whores them out to Uh everything and they get no recognition? Yeah, they should absolutely unionize. Yes. And the owners should decide. So if 
Team X only wants to pay the cheerleaders $100 per game or whatever it is, you know, $30,000 out or whatever it is, then those cheerleaders can go work for Dallas who pays $100,000. You know, they should be able to like the whole free market thing. Like I said, my other favorite scene is the bar fight itself. Yeah. Danny, remember what I told you about red shirts in practice? Yeah. Forget about it. Okay. Martell. Finally, you have these ragtag scabs. We've heard about this all the time, especially when you have a union shop. You don't cross the picket line because you're dooming yourself. Yes. But all these guys that walked out, these rich, entitled pricks, and the guy who plays Eddie Martell, excellent prick. In the pantheon of pricks that we have covered, he's near the top. But these guys come in, they start making fun of this team after Gruff just hit the game-winning kick. Ooh, look, at you You think you guys are so rad, you're trash, you're going to go back to your own shanties after this. And he finally, Falco steps up because they're picking on him. Picking on uh, Brian, the deaf kid, once again. Yeah. What kind of a piece of shit you're going to pick on somebody with a disability? Easy way out. So Falco steps up. Next thing you know, fuck the preacher player. I can't remember his name. I don't. Yeah. He punches somebody, knocks him out, and he totally blesses him when he drops his ass. I love it. This team is from so many, and I think it's the one thing that makes them quite unique. They come from so many different parts of life that they are able to somehow unite and realize, hey, this is the one opportunity we all have before we have to go back to our normal mundane lives, which... I would love to have had a sequel to this movie because I would like to see where's Falco go from here. Does he go back to the houseboat and he's just cleaning boats? We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, but that's a great scene. I have uh, cheerleader auditions. Oh, that's great. Do you have a cheer or something? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You ready? Uh-huh. Let's hear it for the quarterback. Hey, hey. Ho-ho. Could anyone play better? Say, say. No, no. Tackle, 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 tackle. Tack, tack, tack. Show those other boys what they lack, lack, lack. If I gave you a dollar, you could keep most of the change because all I really want is a quarterback. It's so strange. Bad there's a, girl. There's essentially a montage of the people that audition to be cheerleaders and there's a weird one with a knife. Slash, slash, cut them down. Smear their blood all over town. Punch them, hit them, make it last. Come on, boys, let's kick some ah. Yeah, there's just some other ones. Kind of so got the ditzy blonde. Finally, they get a, two girls who came from uh, Pussycats, that, that club by the airport. So, Heather, you were in cats which is i can't tell you so terrific oh no you know um pussy cats <laughs> you know the club next to the airport pussy cat oh oh yeah yeah so that style of dancing that would that would is lap dancing a style and they do so well and that the other auditions are wink. so bad that they have they tell them to bring their friends yeah so it's basically annabelle who's still under contract or is the head cheerleader and then a number of girls from pussycats and they bring in their own adult flavor yes and bring a lot of eyes yeah. to their product falco uh pulls a like a little giants-esque trick with the cheerleaders distracting the other team hey hey 
He's ref. She's touching her ass, ref. Yeah. I love it. It's the best. My final one. So we, you mentioned briefly too the the rich guys who are on strike from the team love the fuck with Falco's pickup yeah. truck. They flip it and flip it and flip it. All of a sudden, Andre and Jamal come out and they literally say, "Hey, um, y'all want to put the car back? Well, this is none of your business, gentlemen. Shane's our business. We're the guard, and we protect our quarterback." <laughs> oh, it's funny, man. Bozo. You got jokes? You got man? jokes? That's your ride right there, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. It's my windshield, you crazy mother. Now put the car back. You son of a bitch. Son of. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, I'm a son uh -oh. of a bitch. Son of a bitch. You want to flip that over, please? And all of a sudden, one of them calls him a son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Son of a All of a sudden, he takes his gun and shoots out the tires of Martel's car. And he, all of a sudden, the assholes pick up his car, lift it back over. This this little bit of dialogue I love the most. How's that arm? Good. What's that smell? Wild yam. Yeah. That's nice. You like that? Yeah. I love how Andre, or is it Jamal? I can't remember which one, says... Shane, you smell good. What is that? He's like, wild yam. Ooh, that smells nice. I love it. It's such a great scene. I have uh, finally the, at the first game when the Jumbo had eaten all the eggs. Oh, and he throws he up. He pukes in the huddle and then they all start getting sick. <laughs> eggs. That's right. Jeez, What you eat, man? Shane, we got to move, man. If we don't move, I'm going to blow child too. We're in a huddle here. Double slot, Zach. 88 slide. God damn. I'm trying to tell you, man, I can't be around somebody puking. I'll start puking. Shit. Okay, 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 okay. On three. Everyone move left. Ready? Hut, hut, hut. And they, as a unit, move they, the huddle. They shuffle. I love so it. So that there's not puke. And it's funny because one of the assistant coaches is like, should we call a timeout? And McGinty's like, no, that's the first thing they've done as a team. <laughs> so. I love it. It's, it's hilarious. Because that, you know, to some extent, that is the type of thing I think you'd get from replacement or scab football is is absolutely, they're not going to be on the same page. It's no, not at a, all. a poor quality product. And they have no... It's not like these guys have been practicing all year for their moment. Yeah. These guys are thrown together on a week's notice. Sometimes I'd like to see guys like this take over a team because they're actually going to fucking work for their yeah. money because you know they're getting paid per game. It's sports. All sports are like politics. There's probably guys that are in developmental leagues and sitting on the bench that are every bit as good as the top players. Yeah. But they don't get a chance for whatever reason. Yeah, like Braun Brickaker in NXT. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's... Oh, Kevin, yes. Let's have ourselves a pool party. Hello. Hi. So, uh, we heard that you're having a pool party. Mind if we come? Sure. You can bring your brothers and sisters, too. Everyone can come. Cool. All right, so Woo! pool party 2000. Yeah, millennium so, party. Those of you who were here for our first pool party a couple weeks ago, the rules are this. The year of the movie we covered, so in this case, the year 2000, we select a 
movie from that year and our scenario takes place in the universe of the movie we select. We select our outfit, drinks, the date we would bring, the car, uh, the car, the band we bring and the movie we cap off the night with. Yes. Jim, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go, my brother. Okay. So, my 2000 movie, oh, come on baby. Come on. Is Little Nicky. Wow, I did not expect a that. A battle is being waged for the fate of Earth when demons from hell, descendants of Satan, have come to Earth to inhabit the citizens as slaves. I wanted something where the rules of reality didn't necessarily have to apply. Okay. So, I little like Nicky it is. Okay, so my universe, Kevin. There was a couple big movies in the year 2000. My favorite. Let me tell you about a guy named Maximus Decimus Meridius. Wow. His wife was killed. He was betrayed by his own legion, by his emperor, and now Maximus has to fight out of slavery to save Rome. He has to touch some grass. He has to touch some grass, kind of like Face Waterfalls yeah. by John Travolta and Face Off. So we are in the universe of ancient Rome. I'm curious to know who you are in this universe. Who am I in this universe? Are you just somebody watching the gladiator fight? Are you a gladiator? Are you a uh, a member of the empire? I would like to think that I am a part of Maximus's. I would die valiantly helping Maximus save Rome. Okay. Outfit. I would go down to see the festivities. So basically downtown uh, Manhattan, the earth has opened up. People watching all this crazy shit go down. Huge crowd. You were in FUBU. I, well, maybe. <laughs> I would... Uh, I would definitely only wear the best of the year 2000 had to offer. All right. Abercrombie button down. Nice. Jinkos, airwalks, bandaid on my face. Oh, you're like fucking Nelly. I'm like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you're on the amalgamation. I might as well get a FUBU hat too. Holy shit. Or a Nietzsche shoes. Yeah. So my outfit, of course, where I shopped in 2000, I ended up racking up $3,000 on my Abercrombie and Fitch card. Abercrombie shirt, Abercrombie shorts, not shorts jeans you sure as hell you better give me those high quality tommy hilfiger moccasins baby because i'm showing up to that party in the gladiator universe tommy in Hil style you're they're gonna kill you on <laughs> bizarre so car how am i gonna get down to the festivities i had a green pontiac grand prix that i drove for like six years i remember that so i'm picking a i don't even remember what year my car was honestly but i'm picking a 1999 pontiac grand prix to drive myself to see the events unfold where no doubt it gets flipped and set on fire. Okay. If you drive call. down there, there's no question your car is getting flipped and set on fire. So unfortunately, my car that I drove at the time did not come out yet. So I, at the time I drove. So you're picking a horse. I'm going to pick a horse. No, I am driving because last time we had a pool party, I picked the 77 Trans Am because mm -hmm. of smoking a bandit. Well, Kevin, most people don't realize is that there was a point in time. There were three straight to TV movies on channel 43. It was called the Action Hours, like noon on Saturdays. There was a show called Bandit. It was a movie called Bandit based off Smokey and the Bandit. So Bandit drove a 1994 Black Dodge Stealth ATF. Sweet. Who played Bandit? His name was Brian Bloom. He was in a couple sitcoms in the late 90s, 21st century, early-ish 2000s. He did a lot of video game voice work. It's Rurt Reynolds. <laughs> Drinks. I need to stay up late because I don't know how long this is going to take. Yeah. So I'm drinking Surge. I was thinking about Surge. Yeah. I remember my mom going to Farmore and buying me a shitload of that. I we I remember in eighth grade music class, we had to make a commercial and we made one for Surge. 
I will never forget, there were a couple times, I think my mom would buy two cases of Surge, and we would stay up, and we would do our pay-per-view bookings of our, our WrestleMania 2064 fed. So we literally would do the book, write the whole book, plan out the storylines, and drink nothing but Surge, and yep. not go to bed till like 5 or 6 in the morning. Kids playing video games, drinking Mountain Dew now, they didn't know anything about Surge. Although I think Surge came back. It did, but it just didn't, people didn't pick up on the nostalgia. Now if they released it, it might really get a lot yeah. better. But Kevin, I'm not picking alcohol. I did Bartles and James before. I'm still hungover. I had too many Bartles and James. However, let's turn that wick up a little bit. Give me the blue raspberry flavor of Mad Dog 2020. Oh. Let's let's fucking drink some shit and let's party. Plastic bottle and like. uh, It was either going to be Mad Dog 2020 or Steel Reserve. Yeah, there's a like when you'd go to the little convenient drive throughs we have through around here. Yeah. You'd get like Mad Dog. There was like some sort of pre-mixed like gin and juice I remember drinking. Was it that? was like you could also, if you wanted uh, to, get two buck chuck yeah. wine or go to the convenience store and get some Mott's. <laughs> get a whole jug of Mott's or Carlo Rossi. Crooked eyes. Yeah. So date, I'm so stylish i've got jinkos i've got airwalks i got a band-aid on my face oh the abercrombie button down you're like kenny fisher yes i basically look like kenny fisher but with a, a sharp ironed button down nice there was someone around the year 2000 maybe a little bit later who she managed to be at every everything she was like there were clones of her because she just managed to be the it girl wherever something was happening she was there she had exclusive access and for some reason she likes my flavor and she picks me out of the crowd. Paris Hilton. Wow. That's hot. I thought you were going with Jennifer Lopez. No. That's what it sounds. I don't like. like Jennifer Lopez. But really? The, yeah. The earth opens up, so it's literally hot. And she says, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> I did not expect you to go with Paris Hilton there. That's a nice surprise. <laughs> so mine, probably not that much of a surprise. This girl was the the it thing in the late 90s. Are you going to say you're crazy for this girl? No. Evan and Jaren? No, I would not say I'm crazy for her. I would say she was a very beautiful woman who was in a lot of teen movies. And my pick is I hope she's not a part of that party of five because I'm picking Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's my girl on TV. That was the obvious answer for this time. We obviously covered her in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. With her hair too big, make her head look small. Well, here's the problem with Jennifer Love Hewitt. I initially was not going to invite her because I had a Kurt Vonnegut workshop. Uh huh. And I was almost not able to make it to the party in time, but I almost made it there. I I took a bullet train to Rome. I took a bullet train. I almost invited Kurt Vonnegut as my date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she can tell you all about her album. Let's go bang. Yeah. The band or artist that's playing. So again, hell is literally like coming to earth. There's just millions of people that have gathered watching the fate of the world, hanging the balance. And this band, because they're a special kind of weird, they've set up a stage and they've started an impromptu show in order to uh, soundtrack the battle. And that's Outcast. Oh, bombs over Baghdad. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's awesome. I'm thinking as a now 40 year old man that I'm going to have the party populated with a lot of people around our age, but taking place in 2000. So I'm thinking, and I went back and forth with this because I'm thinking, man, if I bring this band and we're the ages we were in 2000, I'm not going to be recognized. I'm going to be an afterthought. But if we are the age that we are now and I bring that band now, I'm going to get so much ass, not from just Jennifer Love Hewitt, but every other celebrity woman that is there. 
I'm bringing in sync reuniting the band. They're going to be like, Oh my God, Jim, you are the best. You brought back in sync in this gladiator universe. I don't know how it's possible, but you've made it possible. And then all of a sudden it's a novelty act. We all reminisce about the old days and oh my God, that helps seal the deal. But we have one more step left to go. All right. So good has prevailed. Hallelujah. Yes. Good has prevailed. And we are, I'm, I have to take a walk home because again, obviously my car was flipped over and set on fire and such. So I've, I've got a long walk back to my apartment. Hell has, you know, came to earth. It's very hot. There's hellfire and brimstone. So I, I plop myself down on the couch. I've got so much adrenaline. I've just watched Outcast. I had a bunch of surge. I'm not ready to go to bed. Yeah. So somehow I've got a hold of a, a bootleg VHS. Sister act. And I watch Nickelodeon's Snow Day. Oh, because nice. it's cold and it takes place in the winter and it's about how anything can happen on a snow day. That's perfect. I watch Snow Day. If we're going to cap off the memories of 2000, and at this time, you got to figure Jennifer Love Hewitt, we all graduated around the same time in 2000. At the end of the night, we're back at my place. We're chilling on the couch. We talk about how great the party was in sync the first time they've reunited together in over 10 years. They just brought it. As we're leaving, Justin Timberlake comes up to me and goes, Jim, thank you. You have re-sparked something in us, and we're going to go out on a reunion tour. But here... Let me help you seal the night off properly. Justin Timberlake, as I put Jennifer Love Hewitt in my 1994 Dodge Delta ATF, hands me a movie. He's like, enjoy the night. That movie is American Pie. All right. So we're all sitting around reminiscing. We're laughing. We're loving it. And next thing you know, Smooch City, USA. And guess what? She can tell me about that one night at band camp. All right. That's excellent. So with that said, let's, uh, let's return to our regularly scheduled programming. You're playing, and you think everything is going fine, but then one thing goes wrong, and then another, and another. And you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink, until you can't move, you can't breathe, because you're in over your head, like quicksand. Critical question. It's an easy one. Best football movie. Well, maybe not easy to answer, but very simplistic. Best football movie. Man, there's a lot. There are some that are just like slapsticky, like Necessary Roughness. This is great because it has a great finale. But I will say about this one, though, before I tell you my answer, the best version of the song Heroes, I will say it's better than the original. The Wallflowers yeah. killed it. Yeah. I never liked Bowie's version of Heroes. Peter Gabriel's slower version that he did in Stranger Things. Give me this version. But if I had to pick my favorite football movie, I'm going with Any Given Sunday. Oh, yeah. I will go with something more gritty, something more real. Oliver Stone. Yeah. That's- very long movie hyper-realistic. Very. There are many qualifiers when asking this question because you've got youth football, high school football, college football, pro football. I will say draft day. Draft all because of the Browns. Because it's the Browns and it's about the draft, which I love. David goddamn Putney. Necessary roughness. Great. About college. Little Giants. Yes. Ice chest. Yes. And and, uh, like you said, you have any given Sunday, which is like made from this hyper-realistic perspective about football and the NFL hated it. They but then there's, it. there's a college football movie equivalent called the program oh, program is excellent. where the program, same thing. It's all about, you know, just what actually goes on in, uh, you know, in a college football locker room. 
I'll tell you one thing I would love us to do, maybe down the road when we do maybe a, a deep end, do the program versus blue chips. Yeah. I think that'd be a great amalgamation of college like football, it. college basketball. All right, let's move on to logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. All right. I will go first with logic and I will say most of these guys are going to be fine. They will. Nigel kicks a 65 yard field goal. It's great enough. It's the distance. at the time would have been the longest field goal in NFL history. And not even at altitude. He's got a job. Yeah, he's good. Tell me teams wouldn't be lining up to sign Shane Falco. Big time. McGinty's like, I want heart. Shane Falco goes out and shows a ton of heart and proves he's no longer footsteps Falco anymore. What's it going to be, Shane? I want the ball. Winners always do. Teams are at least going to be like, hey, you want to come be our backup? Yeah. He doesn't have to work on a boat anymore if he doesn't want to. Most of these guys. Who wouldn't want Danny Bateman? Brian, Jesus. there's a part where McGinty tells the assistant coach, Brian would have been a first round pick if he would have been born and able to hear, if yeah. he would have been able to hear at birth. But instead, he's deaf, didn't get drafted. Jimmy, my uh, tight end is, is deaf. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jimmy, how, how, how am I going to coach a deaf man? Well, you won't need to. Brian Murphy would have gone in the first round five years ago if he hadn't been born deaf. Play this college ball right here in D.C. Got you that. But Jimmy, I, I, I mean, I got to be able to communicate with him and how. Learn to sign, you know. Oh, horseshit. Look at it this way. You'll never be called off sides on an audible. Literally, like, these guys have jobs. I don't understand why the whole climax of the movie is like, it's basically the voiceover from Jimmy McGinty that's like, these guys, they go, but, you know, for one day they were able to be heroes and stuff, but, like, they go back to the regular jobs. No, they don't have to. No, the next year, Shane, you know, has a 10-year career in the NFL. Yeah, and he's or a, and, the equivalent of the NFL. And even if he is a backup, like you said, it makes league minimum way farther ahead than what he was just by on a houseboat cleaning boats for his whole life. Yeah. My one is at the very end of the movie where or near the end of the movie, where they're down. You know, Martell's leading. People started crossing the picket line. Are they just going to let Shane Falco in the stadium, into the locker room with no issue, and just let him into the game? Don't you have to declare a roster before you start a game? Well, yeah, and I think that he's probably still on the roster as the backup or whatever, but he just doesn't come. Imagine, though, if there was an actual backup quarterback. Shouldn't he go, what the fuck? I'm fucking here the whole time. All of a sudden, he walks in off his houseboat. After Somehow, that houseboat must be really close to the stadium because he's able to get there in the midst of halftime Yes, and then walk right onto the field and then win the game. How does McGinty know any of these guys he selects? I have no he idea. He says he's had his eye on some of these guys, but they're just like normal dudes with normal jobs. There's like the, the prisoner who gets released to play. There's the former cop or the cop. There's like Orlando Jones, I think is like a UPS driver. Yeah, or Jamal something. and Andre. Yeah. They just, how does he know that he's like, these guys have got my eye on. It's like, what are you scouting regular dudes McGinty for? McGinty is just like edge straight arrow Gennaro in necessary roughness. I have these guys on a list. I want you to go out and find him. Robert Loja. He helps. Robert Loja helps go find these guys. He must have and the girls. 
Yeah, he must have the deepest Rolodex when it comes to these players. Like, I watched this guy in high school 15 years ago. He must still be somewhat decent now. It's weird. It's really odd. Okay, let's talk the logic about Annabelle in the bar. Yeah. There's a lot to break down with this bar. Yeah. Like, why is she working at this bar? I know she said it's well, her dad's bar. Okay. Help me, help fill in, because I don't remember. Help fill in your understanding. Okay. All right, so first off, why are the cheerleaders on strike? They shouldn't even be a part. They're not a part of the, the players' association. They don't have the same contract as the players. They're not a, a part of the players' association. I don't even think they're really under a contract. So do they walk out in solidarity? Unless they're fucking the football players. That's the they only thing I can They must walk out of. in solidarity. So, okay, let's say that's the case. Let's say the cheerleaders are like, if the players aren't there, we're not cheering for scabs. <laughs> so... <laughs> Was Annabelle already on the squad or was she like the Shane Falco, the number one pick of replacement cheerleaders? Just the thing about Annabelle that I never understood. She does not come off like a cheerleader, especially a head cheerleader. She's a bar owner who knows a shit ton about football. It almost seems like she wasn't a part of this at all. Like it does seem like the whole cheerleading squad left and she was a cheerleader long time ago. What if she was their coach? What if she was the cheerleader, the cheerleading choreographer or like the cheerleading mom or something? Yeah. Like that. And they were like, okay, the cheerleaders went on strike and she's like, well, I'm going to have to cheat. I'm going to have to come out or cheer. I know all these dances. It makes no sense. I she don't does not scream cheerleader. No. Uh, there's some weird scenes with them where Keanu, like they talk to each other during the game. Like he gets tackled on the sidelines and then like talks to her. It's weird. I love the scene where they end up kissing and Pat Summerall's like, I don't think you can do that. And John Mad's like, what do you think you're gonna fire him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, he seems to be knocking with that cheerleader. That's what he's doing. Players are not supposed to be fraternizing with the cheerleaders, you know that. Yeah, but what are they gonna do, Pat? Fire him? Same goes for Coach McGinty. Why did the coach walk out? Why are they hiring a new coach with four games left in the season? I have no idea. They never explain it. Unless they go ahead and say, uh, the coach walked with the players. Why would the fucking coach? He's not a member of the Players Association. No. So then when McGinty comes in and wants to select his own players and all that, it's like, okay, Martell crosses. Wouldn't that mean McGinty was out of a job too? You would think. Because the real coach was coming back. What the fuck happened? What happened? <laughs> There's just, like 10 minutes of this. But it's like we started watching this movie 10 minutes after it started because there I have questions. You know, the bad thing is, though, all it would take would literally be a 30 second line of backstory. And you go, oh, yes. this is why they went out on strike. It was a money thing. It's politics. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The winning play. Everyone's already celebrated by the time the ref announces that there's a flag. Holding. hate it because you do see the flag you see the flag while falcons Clearly. running or whatever but you know even at, like whether you see the flag or you're not it feels so anticlimactic because there's no music or anything no. so essentially let's back up they have a third down long whatever falco runs for a touchdown they're sell everybody the crowd celebrating it's a blown play yeah, annabelle is crying in the you know on the sideline and falco spiking the ball and stuff they've won but it's like it's silent. a full 10 seconds after the play. They're like personal foul holding jumbo. Like yeah. what? What? Yeah. I hate it. There's a scene where the ref is trying to decide how many penalty yards to assess. Oh, hell no. On a penalty. <laughs> yeah. It would just be the number of yards for the biggest penalty. Yeah. So it's not like you take a holding plus it's 15 yards formation. It's just, okay. 15 yards like is the worst penalty. It's 15 yards. Yeah. And he's like, oh, forget it. It's like a lot of sports movies sometimes seem to be made by people who don't understand the sport. 
pretty much. Because I, I just, that's put in there for com. It just does, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, they have that same scene in Necessary Roughness. Illegal contact. Number 51. Senkutsu elbow thrust to the up back. Oimawatsu roundhouse lunge kick to the quarterback. Takatami insert block to the, shoot, never mind. 15 yards. First down. Oh, when, that's right. When, because all of a sudden the guy who's the karate man starts kicking yeah. and then the referee and he starts like, saying, he's got an Uyumatsu thrust kick. Oh, hell, never mind. 15 yeah. yards. And they're trying to decide. Yeah, they're trying to decide where to put the ball. It's not that there's a fucking 25-yard penalty. It's 15. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Even though this isn't the NFL, it's obviously modeled after the NFL. It is. So if there were four games left in the season, this is winter in Washington, D.C. It sure looks like summer. It, there's no snow. Nobody's bundled up. No. They're all wearing short sleeves and shorts. Yeah. So Bal- oops, Balker's we forgot. hanging out on his boat that he works on. Yeah. I would still love to know why they didn't film this in RFK and they decided to film it in Baltimore. I'm thinking maybe it had to have been cheaper. I would only assume legacy of this movie. I would say to me, the legacy is that it's a great cable movie to put on when it airs on. It's always on. I was going to say TBS TNT, you know, throw it on. If you're doing something else, you're just playing around on your phone or you're cleaning or whatever. Great movie to have on in the background. It's a great movie. A lot of memorable scenes. Yeah. It's just great that we followed this amazing movie after we saw that pile of shit we watched last week. Oh, this makes, uh, and both take place in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Yeah. But this is the far superior Washington, D.C. Now, if only this took place within the universe so we could see four years after the war in 96 how far alien technology has progressed. All right, stick around for some plugs. Hey, this is Shane Herman with the Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. You're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, as always, thank you for listening to the episode this week right here on the Pool Scene Podcast. And if you want to know what's going to be coming up on future episodes or what Kevin and I may be thinking at any given time, hop over to our Facebook page at Pool Scene Podcast. Make sure you smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm. And while you are there, join the Pool Sceners Facebook group. It is for you. Exclusive access will be put right onto that group page and nowhere else. You will also have a voice in what you guys want to hear on upcoming episodes, polls, ideas, so many fun things. So make sure you join the Pool Sceners page on Facebook. Also, we have Instagram. Check out some amazing photos live from Studio 536. Also, we're trendy with the kids. Go over to our TikTok at Pool Scene Pod 1. And as always subscribe rate and follow apple Podcasts, spotify podbean and with that back to kevin actually it's back to anthony <laughs> that would be a waste of time what to speak to us and what son of a bitch uh so earlier jim had brought up in sync and uh i had mentioned the name max martin so i just want to tell the audience uh google max martin look up his wiki he's a, a very fascinating guy he's worth you know 660 million dollars or something because so max martin in the uh 90s uh maybe 80s he was in this this band called it's alive and uh, great name they were a glam metal band i don't think that they had oh it was actually early 90s they had a, a song called sing this blues which tells you that they were definitely foreign so anybody order a love burger um, well done 
So he somehow teamed up with this guy named Dennis Pop. Now Dennis is D-E-N-N-I-Z. Dennis Pop. Dennis Pop had uh, produced the 1997's The Backstreet Boys and had co-written, co-produced everybody. Backstreet's back. So and this was in Sweden. This is in Sweden. So Backstreet and NSYNC, for what it's worth, got big in Europe before they got big Huge. in the U.S. Watch their like first videos that weren't released here. You can see how European they were. Yeah, so basically Dennis Pop with Max Martin, who's not his real name, but Max Martin under his wing, they basically worked on Ace of Base and a number of things. So Dennis unfortunately died young and Max was left to take the reins essentially. This is crazy. So Max Martin is responsible for co-writing or co-producing. I will just name some song. Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. It's Gonna Be Me by NSYNC. I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. So What by Pink. My Life Would Suck Without You, Kelly Clarkson. California Girls by Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg. Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Hold It Against Me, Britney Spears. E.T., Katy Perry and Kanye. Last Friday Night, Katy Perry. Part of Me, Katy Perry. One More Night, Maroon 5. We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, Taylor Swift. Bunch more. Roar, which for a while by Katy Perry, one of the biggest songs ever at that time as far as downloads. And Clinton used it for her campaign. Dark Horse, Katy Perry. Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. Blank Space, Taylor Swift. Bad Blood, Taylor Swift. Can't Feel My Face by The Weeknd. Jesus. Can't Stop the Feeling, Justin Timberlake. Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. That Crazy. is insane. And it's funny because his, his philosophy is so simplistic where he's like, okay, for pop music, some of the people that are fan of that genre are probably like insulted because he's like listen the only thing that matters is the melody he's like you come up with a great melody that's catchy if you plug the words in it's all about it's like a science it's about the number of syllables if you plug in words that make sense amazing if they don't make sense doesn't matter yeah the melody the number of syllables and you got a hit and he did this shit in a small studio in stockholm yeah so how crazy is that? And if you guys ever want to see, like I watched that This Is Pop thing on Netflix. Yeah. They do a whole thing talking about Max Martin and Dennis Pop. It's it's crazy how lightning struck for this guy multiple yeah. times. And it dates all the way back. The Swedish pop scene dating all the way back to ABBA. And that's why I said ABBA never really ever gets enough due for what they did. They're not just dancing queens. It, it's funny in, in general just how much of an influence that European dance music had on Crazy. pop. Because the early 90s were an absolute free-for-all. Yeah. You had the end of hair metal. Mm-hmm. You had Guns N' Roses doing November Rain, basically like killing... Like, I think it was in Slash's book, he said November Rain was the sound of Guns N' Roses breaking up. Yeah. And uh, so you had the end of hair metal. You had, like, rap. You know, the beginning. You had rap on the mainstream pop charts. Yep. You had European dance music. Early, like, boy band, New Kids on the Block. I mean, Started, like, gangster rap. Gangster rap. You had so much happening in, in the early... And grunge, you know, yeah. you had grunge. And then it's it's just how, how bizarre the 90s... MTV was crazy at this time. Yes. And to think that like... But that European dance pop was so big and it, it made its way over here. And it's like, if you were an A&R guy... <laughs> You're just like, you got a keyboard? You know a guy that can rap? Uh, You got a bald guy? You know somebody bald? (laughs) 
put them in here. Let's start fucking. You guys are. Can you know. can you do any type of rap flow in a yeah. low monotone? Talk, 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 talk to, to you, you in the night. Yeah. Oh my god, you shut it big. It's just it was crazy, and it kept going because yeah. like all the way through Aqua, they were probably the last one. Eiffel sixty five. Eiffel sixty five. Yeah, which I love. I unabashedly don't love. forget about B O N Kevin and boys. Yes, that's Jim song. <laughs> Put on the box, baby. Yeah, you kids don't know what the box is. You have no idea. You didn't. You didn't live in that world. That MTV alternative. You had to pay. Once again, referencing the Last Dragon, it was a video jukebox. Yeah, but it came too late. Yeah. So shit, man. I want to go back and redo my pool check, and I just want to stay <laughs> stay in my apartment and watch the box. That's uh, my that's my uh, entire. Uh, pool party I'll, I'll pay for Evan and Jaren and B-O-N that's it yeah Cottonmouth King's bump oh bump a bump 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 alright yeah, anything else you want to mention a waste of time Jim oh no dude we had uh, this past weekend celebrating my birthday it was fun had a good time going up to Presque Isle with the lady really enjoyed it uh, the beaches were surprisingly nice the weird thing about Lake Erie I'm so used to going to Geneva on the lake and Lake Erie you're, waste, you're used to going to Lake Erie in Ohio yeah not Lake Erie in Pennsylvania there's a big divide and the water seemed to be a lot clearer than it would be if you went to Lake Erie in Geneva so I rather enjoyed it unfortunately Waldemere was not open it's now closed for the season would have been nice to get some more coaster credits but Kevin you're going to be headed down to the FLA soon and getting some uh, cool coaster credits down there in the Florida well, so that'll be some fun I, I hope I can get some coaster Hopefully. credits because going with the family you know the kids are going to want to ride stuff and they're going to want to spend money this trip has been uh, postponed a couple of times so that damn COVID. Uh, hoping it finally happens yeah we'll see i mean i i didn't know that SeaWorld in orlando has 15 coasters it's fucking nuts i had no idea because when we had SeaWorld up here there were no rides I it was no just idea. animals so we're gonna yeah i'm gonna try and hop on some coasters at SeaWorld. um we're doing the whole smash we're doing uh magic kingdom we're doing epcot we're doing Land of Confusion by Genesis. We're doing Thriller ah. by Michael Jackson. Uh, no, we're doing, uh, yeah, we're doing it all. We're doing every part. You're doing the Grand Tour. Hollywood, Universal Studios. Westworld. Island of Adventures, Westworld, West Wing, Galaxy Quest, Sea Quest. Back Johnny to the Quest. Future, Johnny Quest. Yeah, we're doing it all. So I, I'm, I have no, because I have no idea. And I'm never going to be able to take a trip like this. There were some, um, some angel investors, we'll say, who allowed uh, some of this to happen. So next time I go to Disney, if I go to Disney again, it's probably going to be for like three days. Yeah. You add the name Disney to something and the prices in. are insane. <laughs> like, for example, I've, I've been on a number of cruises in my life, a, a ton, eight of them maybe, or I don't know. When you go on a cruise, you can go on Carnival, like a three-day cruise to the Bahamas is like $250. All you can eat, you know, pretty much anything, you just have to pay for booze. The same cruise through Disney is like $1,500 a person. Those fucking mouse So ears. if we wanted to take the family on a three-day Disney cruise, it would cost six grand Ugh. which and that doesn't count any of the shit you'd buy nope. or you know i don't know that everything's included on a disney cruise but it's something we're gonna do probably eventually yeah also un trip related when it comes to world of wrestling trip mcneely trip all right got warts all over my feet but speaking of don't having warts on your feet but as wrestling fans kevin and i are tonight's a big night wrestling aew grand slam dynamite night one night one which is a very historic night in the world of pro wrestling and you guys are on the fence about checking out wrestling i would highly suggest you checking out aew dynamite grand slam tonight as we are recording on a wednesday and first first wrestling show in the history of arthur Ashe Ashe stadium. stadium which is huge headline by Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. 
okay. using the original name that he was given as his birthright. So we're going to see. He is asked to bring that chant back. Oh, You're going to get your head fucking kicked in. I hope it happens. I hope it does, too. He's been asking for it, and the fans are pretty smart. So, Also, Kevin, you want to make an announcement what we're doing for the deep end? Yes. So one of us on this podcast happened to confuse... <laughs> Jonathan Sheck with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> the funniest moment in show history. And because of that, on short notice, we said, we got to capitalize on this. We are doing Kindergarten Cop 1 juxtaposed against Kindergarten Cop 2. Oh, my God. And, and it's not Jonathan Sheck. It's Jonathan Sheck, and he's not in it. No. But Bill Bellamy is, God yes. damn it. And we're going to find out uh, uh, which movie holds the crown. <laughs> Of being the better kindergarten cop. I wonder what you it could guess. be. You want to guess. Yeah. Arnold says it's his favorite movie he's done. So. And he's done an animated series now. Yeah. All right, everybody. Until the deep end, Silencia. Silencia.